Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, Your Statistics and Sports Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracing. And I am Corwin Miller. And welcome to the Thursday episode of the show. As we are recording this, it is Wednesday, um, November 16th, about 7.30 p.m. here on the East Coast. We do not know who has won MVP yet in MLB for either the American League or National League. That gets announced on the day you're listening to this on Thursday. Uh, we know who has won all of the awards thus far, except for American League Cy Young. We're waiting on that, but we're also waiting on the conclusion of the awards tomorrow to actually talk about the full scope of them, including how they fit into our bold predictions. So we'll be ignoring the already announced awards until our Monday episode recording on Sunday. So saving it, save building up the suspense. We're edging you on the discussion. <laughs> MLB awards. Right, Instead, before we move past the awards, I do want to ask you a question that I know I will forget if I wait until Sunday. Sandy Alcantara won Cy Young for the National League. Third Dominican player to ever oh, win the award. This, this episode? Immediate. I if we if I don't, I'm gonna forget. And yeah, you know. I know. All right. So one of the one of the other two Dominicans has to be Pedro Martinez, right? He has won it three times. Yeah, okay. Fuck. The other guy. Do you know who it is already? I do, yeah. Okay. So Pedro won it in 1997, 1999, and 2000. This player won it in 2005. Is it Bartolo Colon? It is. Yes! Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I was like, this has got to be someone either historically great that I'm just completely missing or one of the weirdest dudes. And Bartolo Colon's kind of both. It's <sighs> awesome. It's weird because there's so many great Dominican pitchers, but I, I guess in terms of like top end seasons, it's maybe a little bit more rare. Luis Severino came pretty close in, I want to say that was 2018 that he had that really great yeah. year, but um, finished out kind of weak. Uh, but yeah, for for a, for a great baseball country that has great representation in pitching, especially in the last 20 years, um, in huge part to Pedro Martinez and how influential he, he was in modern day pitching and especially with the representation of pitching from the Dominican Republic. It's wild. We've only had three. And th- this is the third, but good percent. We'll talk about... Talk more award stuff later. I do love that it's, you know, a guy who is truly in the conversation for best pitcher of all time and the best home run hitting pitcher of all time. A guy that the, the, only, the guy who only did it once, but he is the best and there's no doubting him. Oh, you mean Babe Ruth. <laughs> the the yes. Dominican. Famed Dominican. And Babe yes. Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell by the notes. Uh that's what people say about Babe Ruth. I'm not just trying to be wantonly racist. Anyway, uh, quick baseball topics. Round uh, a little bit of free agent roundup. Robert Suarez signed a contract to stay with the San Diego Padres. He is uh, 31, going to be 32 pretty soon. Signed a five-year, $46 million deal. Corwin Heller, thoughts on your player, your team, your guy, your man? Uh, I am very excited to bring him back. For high-end reliever, low-end closer money when he 
likely should have gotten high-end closure money. Um, obviously, coming right after Edwin Diaz uh, makes this look minuscule. And in reality, it's a very sizable, arguably very risky contract. But if he is anything sort to, you know, capable, if he is capable at all of maintaining this pace, uh, this is a fantastic contract. Very happy to have him aboard. Yeah, we'll we get into loved. a series of like con of um stats for Robert Suarez is because if we did that for everyone we're talking about, we'll be here all day and we won't even talk about football. Uh, mm-hmm. but 47 and a and two thirds innings pitched and a 2.27 ERA, even though he only has just the one year of play with the big league club, this is a pretty thin year for um bullpen arms. So to have one of your guys who really showed up for you last year be on the market is obviously scary. But the fact that this is also under $10 million per year, mm-hmm. beautiful. That's to- totally, totally fine. You got to, again, remember, uh, Rodgers Chapman is getting paid like $18 million a year. This is not that. This is much, much better. Uh, Edwin Diaz is making $20 million a year. This is, uh, yeah, this is pretty good. Um and the term on it also obviously helps. You know, the fact that it's five years so that you really wouldn't have to shit out any big money year over year. A okay. Mm-hmm. Uh you also wanted to make mention of the Nick Martinez contract. This isn't technically a free agent contract. This is an arbitration extension. Um, so this buys out a render of his ARB years, twenty-six million dollars guaranteed money for three years, eight point six per year. Um thoughts on Nick I Martinez. Think, I think this is an awesome deal. Again, he's an elite level um long reliever. He's a guy who I have to imagine we're gonna stretch out and try and put in the starting rotation uh to start next season. Uh I know there's a handful of player options in there. Um if he wanted to basically back out of this deal uh, after a year or two totally fine with that because three years 26 million is nothing for the caliber of player he is um and i think this is another huge keep for the padres free agency yeah and a huge contract for nick martinez who up until this year his total career earnings is 8.9 million dollars wow he will now make that a little bit less than that but he'll make essentially that every year for the next three years. Um, So kudos to him. Debuted in 2014 with the Texas Rangers. Um, Last year with the Padres, 106.1 innings pitched. He had an ERA of 3.47. FIP was a little bit high. But... He, uh, the second half later into the, the season, he absolutely turned back into a lockdown player. Especially in the, and, the playoffs, he he was going to be our playoff MVP. And and again, things to consider: like your team has to have five starters. So even if Nick Martinez comes in and is what starter three for you guys, right? He wouldn't be higher than that, right? Uh, he would be four. Four, yeah. All right, Nick so, Snell, Joe Musgrove, you Darvish. So yeah, f- three to five. Honestly, any one of those three to five. million? Nothing. Yeah, every day. Every day you take that. Mm -hmm. Um, Other big ones, just real quick. Uh, Anthony Rizzo 
is back with the Yankees, two-year, $40 million contract. Um, This was about the term and money I was expecting. Uh, Also, just real quick, there is a club option for $17 million um, in 2025. I've also seen some competing information on this, and it's because it's... I, I'm wondering how much of it is a um, signing. I see, I see, all right, so here's the thing: it's two years, forty million, but the base salary each of the two years is seventeen million to total thirty-four million. But the luxury tax salary is twenty million per year. I don't know where that extra six million dollars is. It doesn't matter necessarily. Um, Anywho, just wanted to explain my confusion. This is about what I was expecting. Anthony Rizzo has had uh, relative health concerns uh, because of his back. In the past couple seasons, he is entering his age 33 season, which is kind of an awkward time for term, because if you offer a five-year deal, then you're hitting someone's age 38 season, which people will do for a 33-year-old player, but you've kind of got to be like great and healthy and more at a slightly more premier position or at least a little bit more certain what your the longevity of your career is going to be. And with Rizzo, it's a little bit less certain on the field. He's been great as of uh as of the past couple of seasons with the Yankees, but it is um I don't know, a little bit a little bit less less certain than th- um like an Aaron Judge. Agree that it's definitely less certain, but I think when he's there He's providing a His family. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Thank you. Thank you for pulling the words right out of my mouth. I think he's just a, a certain level of uh, God, I completely lost the word um, stability. Like, you know what you're getting with Anthony Rizzo, even if he's, you know, teetering on into old age, he's still the presence. He's still the kind of anchor for a team that, offensively had a very not great year last year and kind of need something to keep you stable because I know the first uh, base market isn't, you know, wild, but it's also doesn't have a whole lot of talent there to up for grabs uh, for a team like the Yankees. I think uh, like both of the Padre signings, uh, way bigger to local fans than anyone else, but absolutely huge for the Yankees. This is one of the few deals I think actually does kind of factor into a decent amount location. Because oftentimes when we talk about deals, it's like, yeah, maybe a player has a preference for a hometown or the organization they came up with or where some family lives or something like that. But ultimately that's going to come in second to term and money, you know? Because this is a business, and it is for the players too, where their careers could end any year. However, in this instance, I think this is about the money Rizzo would have gotten almost anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there would have been a bidding war per se over Anthony Rizzo again, not because he doesn't have value, just because there are mitigating factors. You know, there are health concerns, there is an age concern, the position isn't like a top end position, and even though there is a constricted market, like like. Corum was saying because it's not like first baseman's galore out there. Um, it's not quite like to the same extent where it, we said on the show before. Um, Yuli Gurriel's most value is just back to the Astros. No one's going to value Yuli. That's not that organization. I don't. It's not mm-hmm. to that end. But like 
if you're Rizzo, I can't imagine you're getting offered more than $20 million a year. And I can't imagine the years is going to be many more than up to three years. To what end, you're, it, it really is going to likely for you come down to how much do I like being where I'm at? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is one of those few instances where I could see not New York specifically, but comfortability with your city being um, being a factor. Agreed. I'm with you. All right. At the end of the um, day, outside it's of... still the New York Yankees. Yes. Um, who apparently treat player families very nicely. Uh, Tyler Anderson signed a contract with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim for three years and $39 million. Um, left-handed pitcher was with the Dodgers last season. Um, I don't know. I've never known what to make of Tyler Anderson. And this doesn't really help. I think I'll put it this way. Here's my thoughts on this. Tyler Anderson is kind of a question mark because he has only had two seasons of his seven-year career under a four ERA, and one of them was last year, and the other one was his rookie year. <laughs> um, however, the Angels are always in need of pitching because of their constantly injured or just plain bad pitching, and it's good to see them taking swings like this. Counterpoint, uh, a an older pitcher has an absolute outlier season on a completely loaded Dodgers team, and you're the Angels, so you know you're not developing this guy any more than he already has been. I think it's a aberration on his baseball reference page rather than something the angels can expect for next year is that wildly cynical and something i feel much more strongly about because it's the angels yeah absolutely and i don't love it i mean it's not crazy money so it's you know all right they need starters somewhere um i just i don't know if this would be a guy i would be looking to sign on the first day of free agency what if I phrased it to you more as a uh, like a Noah Syndergaard replacement? Last year, um, the Angels paid Noah Syndergaard. No way, that's fucking right. Twenty one million dollars. Okay. Oh fuck! I completely forgot that was the amount that he got paid last season. Anyway, uh, Noah Syndergaard, who was the sixth pitcher because the Angels need six pitchers. Um, to line up. I don't so think he's signed for twenty million dollars to be the sixth pitcher. I think he's just so no, no. unhealthy. It just that's all he could be. No, I I know, but what I'm saying is because he's not on the team, he ended the season with Philadelphia. You traded him away, so you don't have a sixth starter for next season. Right. If you look sure. at Tyler Anderson just as a six, fifth, sixth, maybe even fourth starting pitcher, this is fine. Um. But he's not he, that currently. Currently, he could be. The question is how much of the Dodgers organization tweaking, poking, and prodding fixed whatever problem he's had with finding consistency. And will the Angels fuck that up or not? Yeah. Because you, ha- you don't have Noah Syndergaard. Looking, looking at the Angels team, I think he has to be 
at least the number three pitcher going into next season. Well, I think for the number three pitcher, Reed Detmers by innings pitch last year, really he needs to take a step forward. 22-year-old guy, you'd expect him to to make some advances here. But anyway, um, yeah, let's move on. Those are the, the, the big ones. Some people signed qualifying offers. Some people didn't. Yada, yada, yada. Um, the other one to Yashkan t- has Tyler Anderson as the number two pitcher in that rotation currently. Who does? ESPN, their depth chart. Take that as what you will. Not much. I'm not going to take that for much. Um, yeah, all right. I'm going to ignore that because it makes my head hurt. Um, the other transaction that topped headlines well today specifically um as we're recording this so it, it is current news is the trade which sent uh teoscar hernandez from toronto to seattle in return for right-handed pitcher eric swanson and just labeled pitcher adam mako um this is kind of a big surprise of a trade because teoscar hernandez has been uh, a mainstay, I, I guess you could say, in Toronto since going over in 2017. He's gotten MVP votes the last two seasons. We'll find out if that stays true for a third season in a row this year. Uh, we'll find that out tomorrow, including an all-star campaign last year, as well as Silver Sluggers in two consecutive years, 2020 and 2021. Um, since being a part of Toronto, he's had a 122 OPS plus, and that's been uh, higher. it's been higher than that each of the last three seasons. And he's been pretty reliable out there in uh, in the outfield. Nothing like spectacular, but nothing horrible either. Uh, I mean, you know, decent outfield glove. So, for what is feel like for what feels like an, a Toronto team that should be adding rather than subtracting, um, especially since their offense is kind of the thing that's bolstering them. Kind of weird. Um, I, I know the team needs pitching. Because that's Toronto's downfall right now, since their strength is their lineup. So, I understand dealing from a position of strength to to add some bits, but it it done. Um, it felt very odd. Uh, what do you think? The explanation I saw laid out on Twitter is that the Blue Jays are trying to get rid of their incredibly overpowering right favored hitting lineup they're all righties they have no relievers they're trying to kind of use those assets to kind of balance their team out looking at it as is without knowing these pitchers i know one of them's a a high a guy the others you know an mlb reliever losing a guy like teoscar hernandez seems like a bad bet I mean a guy who's had only his rookie year under 100 OPS plus and has been 133, 109, 105 146, 131, 127 that's that's a guy I would want to keep on the team like he just turned 30 this month or last month he's got years left in him I don't know when he's a free agent but man, I just I don't know. Yeah, it's 
it's tough to square away. Adam Mako becomes the eighth best prospect in the Blue Jays pool. Um, which, like, all right, neat. I, I do understand, you know, they're kind of like the Yankees from a few years ago where their hitting is great, but it's very right-hand dominant, and there's not a lot of pitching that is going to to, to save you. Um, I'm just I'm just a little, I don't know. I find the value odd. Um, I actually thought the Blue Jays bullpen, and maybe I'll have to go re-evaluate the Blue Jays bullpen, which is a different episode. Um but I thought their bullpen was kind of fine last year. Maybe I'm misremembering. So the idea of adding a bullpen arm is also a little bit odd. Um, Swanson had a, a great year this past year with um, Seattle. This was the best year of his career by far and the most innings he had pitched since 2019. So, you know, all things are tracking well, and I'm sure that Toronto sees something in him that can help elongate their bullpen, which is ultimately the goal of every GM. Every bullpen is needs to be as long as possible. Um, we'll see what the coinciding moves are for this. I'm going to be curious to see what they end up doing in the outfield free agent market. Um, what they, what they do in the starting pitching free agent market. Those seem to be now positions of need because boy, I also don't know who the fuck their third outfielder is now. Is it Rymel Tapia? Are you bringing back Jackie Bradley Jr. to start for you every day? I don't know. That's really confusing. Um, they don't have an outfielder in the prospects list until Gabriel Martinez, their ninth best prospect, uh, who's only played high A. So probably not him. It's kind of an odd, posi- odd position to be in. Uh, love this for the Mariners, though. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I like what the Mariners have been doing as of late. I like them as a fucking super fun young team. What's not to love about those uh, Seabirds? Or whatever a Mariner is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I guess that means their outfield next year is going to be Jesse Winker, Julio Rodriguez. No, actually, hold on. Is Jesse Winker back? I'll roster stuff for later. All right. That's MLB talk. Shelving baseball for the time being. Other stuff has happened. It's less significant. We don't care. We'll talk about it more later. Let's talk some NFL stuff. Some NFL biz. Oh, yeah. um, the Jets were off this week, which of course means that they got bumped down in a lot of power rankings that I saw. And let me just say, fuck you. If you lowered the Jets, we can't lose in an off week. God damn it. Um. However, I really think a lot of people who make power rankings don't really understand how power rankings are supposed to work. How can we get worse in a week where we don't play? The last you saw us, we were good. That should count for something. Anyway, um, how crazy is that the Bills fell all the way to third with uh, their loss against the Vikings and Miami's win against whoever it is what Miami won against? I mean, we're in. I, I just, I don't and... even know how to feel about the Bills anymore. I still want to call them the most capable, most dominant team in the league, but they've kind of shown that they aren't. And it's they're six and three, mostly because of Josh Allen, which seems super weird. Uh, every bit about it is strange. I mean, the Bills were a dynamite, uh, just to be an old man about it, for the first seven games, only losing a weird one to the dolphins and only losing that game by two points, you know, tw- uh, 19 to 21. 
And then the last two weeks, they they, they dropped a, a one possession game against the Jets, three points, 17 to 20, and then lost an overtime heartbreaker to Minnesota, 30 to 33. And uh, it, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, you know, the offense has kind of been hit or miss, you know, like, like, which is excusable in the wins for like the Jets, where it's like, all right, you know, the Jets aren't winning because they have a dynamo offense. The Bills, while they do have a great defense, they should have a dynamic offense. They should have a big offense. And, you know, 30 against the Vikings is awesome, but like 19 against the Dolphins, 17 against the Jets, um, 24 against the Chiefs, even though that was a win, like that's kind of rough. It's honestly wild how much of it is Josh Allen regressing to his like rookie year two season. Just trying to force balls into windows and making terrible decisions. Ooh. Uh Josh Allen leads the NFL in interceptions, which I yeah. was unaware of. Ten. I think he's had like five Ten? over the last two weeks. So Josh Allen by the numbers this year, which it works is we're going to have a quarterback episode anyway. So Josh Allen by the numbers so far, uh completion percent of sixty four point five. He's two hundred twenty for three hundred forty one which is big. He is on pace to exceed his uh, career high in passing attempts, which was set last year. Um, he's also set to eclipse his career high passing yards by, I mean, a good amount by almost a thousand yards. He um, he's, I guess he, he would be on pace for just about 5,200 yards or so. Um, I could whip out a calculator and do the math. Not going to do that basic multiplication. He has 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, which like I said, leads the league. Um, quarterback rating of 96.6, which is, believe it or not, the second highest of his career, uh, just behind his 2020 campaign where he finished second in MVP, M- second in MVP voting. Um, he's also on pace to have just a, the second most sacks of his career. He's already had been sacked 18 times, um, to start off the, the in the first half of the season. Uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of a, a weird, oh year by the numbers over the last three games against green bay the jets and the vikings he's thrown he's completed less than 60 percent of his passes averaging 250 yards a game has thrown three touchdown to six picks and has taken nine sacks do you do you think that there is he's also got three fumbles do you think it's a Josh Allen regression or there is some better understanding or dissection of his gameplay? I don't have an answer. Um, I, I if you had a thought. genuinely think it's just, I don't want to call it regression because it, I don't think he's regressing back to the mean. I think it's genuinely just, he is trying to force a lot of things that, it's almost like when a, a quarterback panics and gets happy feet and like overcompensates and like outthrows a receiver by like 30 yards on a br- wide open pass. Like, I think he's just kind of out of the comfort zone he's been in for the past two and a half, three years. And it's causing a lot of mental mistakes, which lead to a lot of physical in game mistakes. I don't expect it to be something that continues on. I totally expect it to go back to what we would expect from Josh Allen. 
we'll see. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting year looking at some of the the advanced passing numbers that he has. His drop rate isn't is actually tied for the lowest of his career so far. So his receivers aren't like doing him dirty or anything like that, not in a noticeable way. He's had 15 drop passes so far. Last year he had 35. So but you know, it'll be even less than last year, which which would make sense. Um and his bad throw percent, which is uh the percentage of poor pass attempts, um, I forget what the measurement is. It has to be off target by some certain amount. I forget what the amount is, though. Um, 14.5%, lowest of his career, this bad throw percent. However, his on-target percent is also at the lowest of his career, which is to say that he's not he's not wildly inaccurate. He's just missing his spots. And so part of the problem with that funny enough is if you're going to miss your spot by a bit, you're probably going to get picked off more because that has a higher likelihood of you hitting a defender. The The discrepancy between where a, a receiver is and where a defender is, is not a lot. Um, And so it's interesting to see him succeed in a way because the volume is still there. But for him to just, I guess, just kind of be off the ball a little bit. Um, and I guess that relatively marginal difference or disparity is enough to, I don't want to say throw the Bills in a tailspin. I mean, sure enough, they could come out and win the next four games they have straight and be 10 and three. And who fucking cares? A 10 and three. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's two losses in a row in the middle of the season that don't look horrible against your overall record. But if they come out I don't know, a little bit flat-footed or don't kind of course correct, you do have to wonder how how much this offense is maybe overly reliant on Josh Allen making the insane throws and decisions when I think the perception of the Bills was a little bit more well-rounded with the rushing game um, and defense kind of bolstering what is an insanely good quarterback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Josh Allen has yeah. the most rushing yards of the team. Listen, if uh, if Josh Allen was a stock right now, I would be buying heavy. He's too good to fuck it up. Josh Allen has the most rushing yards on the team. Is that a problem? Good. Who'd they tra- like problem. Didn't they trade for a running back? Who the fuck yeah. Did they, trade for? they did. Is it James Oh, uh, Naeem Hines? Oh, that does sound right. James Cook was the rookie. Yeah, Dalvin Naeem Cook's Hines. younger brother, actually. He has no rushing attempts, Naeem Hines, but he does have um, two targets and one reception for some sure. reason. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, Devin Singletary, 394 yards. James Cook, 169. Zach Moss, 91. Isaiah McKenzie, 35. Duke Johnson has four. Yeah. I didn't realize Duke Johnson was still in the league. I definitely didn't realize he was currently on the Bills. Uh, Yeah, definitely didn't know that. Four yards. Last year he had 300. Uh, Duke Johnson was never nearly as good as I remembered him being. His career high in yards is 410. 
NFL draft running back prospects 2023. Who do we got? I know we got uh, Bijan Robinson. Well, while you're looking at that, one of the things that does have me curious about this lack of running presence is you got to wonder what the mentality that goes with having your quarterback be such a big part of your rushing game would affect the presence. You know what I mean? Like, if Josh Allen is rushing to such a large degree, in addition to obviously being your team's passer, doesn't that kind of instill a sense of you have to be the guy? You know what I mean? Like, don't you think there's some additional hero complex pressure that that builds into a quarterback? If you're being relied so heavily to be the rusher and the passer. As I was reading this, I, I stopped paying attention to what you were saying. Um, if you could repeat, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I, I was saying, do, do you think it adds some pressure to Josh Allen to be the, you know, add some some degree of the hero complex to to his performances when he has to be the team's lead it doesn't have to be but is the team's lead rusher and obviously also their passer oh yeah you know, absolutely like that, that might like cause he, him go ahead he knows that there really isn't a run game for him to rely on if if he's getting shut down throwing the ball he has to put his body on the line to get those yards running and if he's really getting punished, he's now forced into throwing the ball more. I, it's a lot of pressure on it, for sure. Um, what I was looking at, though, is there's there's going to be a lot of really good running backs coming out this year. Day one, day two, guys, absolutely has to be a priority for the Bills. I mean, clearly. Because if they can't put faith in... Or if they're maybe just even overusing Josh Allen, which is why it was interesting to see him play in the game against the Vikings where, you know, there was kind of a question about whether or not he would. And he ultimately did play in that game. Um, and, you know, part of the reason that they that they lost was that Josh Allen had kind of a kind of a rough game. You know, one touchdown, two interceptions, took a couple sacks. But he still got the most rushing yards on the team. And it's like, again, is is that a problem? Because it feels like that's a problem. It feels like it's a problem that Josh Allen had 84 yards and Devin Singletary had 47. 13 attempts, 47 yards. One of those was a 21-yard run. So in 12 rushing attempts, he got 26 yards. Feels like it's a fucking issue. Yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot of historically great offenses that are very one-dimensional. And even if that dimension is is the increasingly um, diverse abilities of the modern-day quarterback, that is still one-dimensional. If one guy has kind of a bad game, it appears that the Bills are having some difficulty compensating for it. And again, like I said, it has been two games that they've lost consecutively. If they come out, and win the next four and go 10 and three through the first 13 games, who fucking cares? So uh, I would love for a reporter to ask Josh Allen what he's compensating for, only for him to reply, uh, Devin Singletary. <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine? He's so fun. Would never happen now, but it would be so fun.
on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Daniel Jones, who we said we would do kind of an episode on. And that's kind of what, what what's spawned the idea of doing a, a a little quarterback poke around the league. Um, who is having tepidly a career year, um, which is probably all it needs to be for him to get a new contract. So he is um, currently at a 65.8 completion percent, which is the highest of his career. At present, he has 1,596 passing yards, and I actually will do the math since he was the one I wanted to talk about, um, which puts him on pace for... 3,014 yards, which would not quite be a career high. His 2019 campaign had more than that by a smidge. Um, so, yeah, right about there. He's got eight touchdowns, which, boy, is that just not a lot in the air. Um, uh, he's got a little bit less than half a season to go, so that's only about 16 touchdowns, which also would not touch his career high at all. Um, only two interceptions, though, which is by far a career low and he could double that number and still be at half of his next career low, which is fantastic. And all that leads him down to having a 92.7 quarterback rating, the best of his career. Um, He's being sacked like nobody's fucking business. 28 on the year so far, which is already more than he had all of last year. Um, So, Oh, I guess he only played 11 games of last year. But still, yeah, um, it's still a lot. He, yeah, he's on pace to break fifty sacks, which is a lot of fucking sacks. Ten point six percent of his pass attempts result in a sack. That's tough. Uh but it's weirdly, it, it's not a year that jumps off the page. But with the retools that the Giants have done to kind of spruce up the offense, spruce up the defense, having Daniel Jones not be bad just kind of be effective has been given the giants enough room to run out to this seven and two record that they've jumped out at the start of the season halfway through the year now. And it's so crazy because if you were to tell me that the giants were seven and two at the start of the year, right? I would have assumed that Daniel Jones finally broke out. And it's really just not the case. Intended air yards per pass attempt career low. Completed air yards per pass attempt, sorry, per completion, career low. Completed air yards per pass attempt, career low. Yards per completion, sorry, yards after the catch per completion. I apologize for the speaking mistakes. Uh, Career high. You're not Corwin. You don't get a pass. Career high in yards after the catch per completion. In fact, his yards after the catch is so good, he's probably going to set a career record or career high in yards after the catch, which for me has to be like the system quarterback stat, right? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Turn your computer on. I know for a fact that you're, 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 your video, I know for a fact you're doing some shit that is not this podcast right now. You're looking at the, the draft. I was laying on my back. <laughs> Okay, I don't trust you to not be looking at the fucking draft. This man is a fiend for the NFL draft. It's true, I am. Hey, is it's, that coming um, up soon? Uh, for once, for once, I can I can be comforted by the fact that the Jets will have the late pick in the draft. 
<laughs> Steelers Steelers still have a top ten pick, you know? What weird world we've uh, moved into. It is a whole new it's a whole new reality. So interestingly enough, um drop passes are at a career high for Daniel Jones, but his his bad throws way down, on target throws way up. And again, one would say that that's probably because they're just they're scheming around him better. You know, he's not going to be a volume guy. He has shown that. And that's not bad. You know, like we're talking Alex Smith's entire fucking career here. You know? So to have his sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. He's getting coached by the guy that we just talked about turning Josh Allen around. I'm not saying he's gonna get Yeah, Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator. Oh, that's right. I I don't think he's going to turn into Josh Allen. I think I'm more of the opinion that Ryan Dable kind of knows what he has uh, at quarterback and being a good, I don't want to say scout, but good, has a good understanding of the quarterback position. Uh, I think he knows he can't put too much on the Daniel Jones uh, project. And hey, taking him out of the equation pressure wise, knowing he doesn't have any fucking wide receivers to throw to. Best asset is Saquon Barkley. Okay, we've got, you know, a lot invested in the offensive line now. Let's just run with it. Throw it to Saquon Barley Barkley. Saquon Barley. Saquon Barley. Johnny Dump it off. <laughs> Dump it off to Sterling Shepherd and Richie James and just Hey, Daniel Jones, just do do what you can. Well, this really is is Brian Dable from the the Bill Belichick tree? No. I was gonna say this is such a Bill Belichick scheme here, which is people are role fitters. And what a lot of the Belichick dudes seem to misunderstand or at least can't execute upon is what Belichick does really well is he understands what the player's role is and puts them in a position to succeed. Before he was Whereas, a head coach, Dable served as an assistant coach for Bill Belichick. Yeah, this is the belt. Because that's what it is. It's not saying, I've crafted a role, you go fucking do it. It's, I know what this player's strength is. We will put him in a position to succeed. Patriots defensive assistant coach, defensive assistant coach from 2000 to 2001, then the wide receivers coach from 02 to 06, the Jets QB coach 0708. Right, man. Rounds offensive coordinator 09 and 2010, Dolphins, Chiefs, Patriots again from 2013 to 2016, and then the Bills offensive coordinator since 2018. Cause, cause that to me That's is where, like Daniel Jones. Not every quarterback needs to be fucking legs McGee out there just chugging down the field, right? And not every quarterback is going to be a sit in the pocket dude like Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like it's and, and then you know throw a, a big bomb here and there like Aaron Rodgers. You know, like the end. It's so Belichick because don't make a mistake. Yeah, you don't have to like throw a twenty-yard pass every time you hit the field. 
just don't turn it over and we're good. If you hit your guys, because th- that's one of the things that we always come back to every now and then when we look at team stats is what is your yards per play? What is your yards per rush? What is your yards per pass attempt? But the idea being, really, if you can just hit your average with three downs, you will be moving the chains. Yep. That is that is the goal. If your running back is getting you 3.7 yards, 3.7 yards per, per per rush, you rush the ball three times, that's you know, uh, 10.1 yards or some shit like that. It, it's enough. You know what I mean? It's enough to get the first down with some big plays thrown in and, of course, some bad plays thrown in. But if you can just hit the average, if you can just hit four yards and make the the um, progression down the field feel consumable and, and, and manageable, you'll do it. And that's kind of what the Giants offense, at least on paper, because, boy, howdy, have I not watched a lot of Giants games this year. Uh, has been. I mean, his intended air yards for pass attempt, how long down the field he's been throwing the ball per pass attempt is a, I mean, a big step down from his career low. And it, um, and it's been going down every year. And he's finding more success as it's been going down. He's, um, and it's interesting because he's even been being pressured at, at a pretty decent rate right up where his career high tends to be. And he's scrambling more than he usually scrambles. But even then he's finding success because they're not, this might be a success of his uh, of having Saquon Barkley back, or it might be a success of the planning around the wide receivers. But he's having the availability to dump the ball off the people, and they're you know dinking and ducking their way down the field. Do you think Daniel Jones sticks around the New York Giants for the foreseeable future? I think you have to, right? If you're the Giants, I think you have to give him a new contract. I mean, they're seven and two. Five and a half games over 500. That doesn't make any sense. What is this? Five and a half games behind. Oh, sorry. They have the 28th pick in the uh, draft this next season. They will not be getting a quarterback at 28, you would imagine. I feel like they would have to stick it out with Daniel Jones until uh, either they... Say, hey, we can swing a trade. We can swing a free agent signing of their car. Yeah. Trade for their car. I don't know what the fuck the Raiders Raiders are going to be doing. They're such a fucking mess. We currently have the second overall pick in the class. So, hey, Josh McDaniels, great quarterback there. Should commit suicide on the field. Well, that's a turn. Uh, he, not not he necessarily should, one I disagree with. T- he should se. take a microphone to midfield right right after the coin flip, apologize to Raiders fans for what he's done, and then commit traditional Japanese seppuku midfield. I don't I don't get how he still has a job. How he's ever gotten multiple jobs? Like, it's not like he's a guy who is taking over a bad team. You want to give him time to get his pieces together build his team, do all that. He's failed three different times before this. He had a playoff team he was taking over, and they've gone two and seven while adding the best wide receiver in all of football. This is a historic explosion for a team. I mean, it really, it really has been. And it's not... And it's been noticeable. 
because of the division. You know, because you have these marquee matchups against teams that either have rising stars or um well, really other stars of the game. I mean, when your matchups are against marquee talent like you know uh Patrick Mahomes with Kansas City, Justin Herbert, who is, you know, a rising star with uh, the Chargers, with Russell Wilson in Denver, and you flub yeah, marquee guys. all of them. I mean, because like if this was happening in the AFC South or whatever, or the NFC South for that matter, mm-hmm. well, whatever, everyone's there is having kind of rough, you know, eh. but this is... uh. Dude, this is nuts. Also, I don't think Josh McDaniel should actually kill himself, but it would be kind of funny. Um, no, Josh, no. your failure. Do it, Josh. It, Josh McDaniel's not you, bud. Hey, I, I, I yeah, I got that. <laughs> um, man, it's just uh, woof, woof is all I think there really is to say about his performance there. I, I do want to point out four of the top nine picks in the draft next year have been already traded away to other teams, which I find hilarious. We've been getting uh, pretty frisky, all things considered, with uh, with trading away top-end draft picks in the past few years. I don't think a lot of these teams planned on being here, though. That's the thing. Denver traded theirs to Seattle. They didn't expect to be three and six. L.A. Rams defending Super Bowl champions. You think they expected to be here? I kind of almost do. But like, you had to know eventually that the Piper was going to need to be paid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe not this season, but like we talked about it before. It just feels like eventually. Yes. Who did Cleveland trade? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We know the answer. Right. Yes, that right. The Jets have the 23rd pick in the draft. That is fucking insane. I had to scroll down to find the Jets. That's an amazing feeling. I mean, if you asked me at the start of the season to put together a draft order for next year, I think Carolina and Houston, I would have put in the top five. I don't think I would have had just about anyone else in the top 10. Maybe Chicago, maybe New Orleans. Oh, Jacksonville. I I had thought they were going to turn it down, turn it around quite a bit, but regardless. Chicago, I'm not surprised here either. This is all over the place. It is, though, if you look at it, a bunch of organizational messes. Yeah. Houston is an organizational mess, Vegas is an organizational mess. Carolina isn't organizationally bad, but the head coaching situation was suspect. New Orleans has been a mess. Jacksonville is a mess. Chicago is a mess. Denver is a fucking mess. The Rams, again, got to pay the piper eventually. Cleveland's a fucking mess. Pittsburgh's, again, organizationally isn't much of a mess, but it's it's just the 10th pick. Like, someone's got to be bad. Rookie QB and out, you know, entire defensive uh makeup i i understand why pittsburgh is here don't get and a man named matt canada still gives me a tickle every time i think of that man's name yeah i feel emotions too i'm sure you do i'm sure you do um all right let's talk about the other new york quarterback 
uh, having kind of an odd, awkward year, and then we'll probably wrap up for the day. Uh, and that is Zach Wilson, who is also having a year of football. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, he has, in his six starts, uh, a 57.5 completion percent, which is higher than last year. He has uh, 1,202 yards, and if he plays the same number of games as he did last year, which is only uh, 13 of them, then he will eclipse his total from last year. He'll have 2,604 yards, which is not a lot, but um, whatever. Four touchdowns, five interceptions, which is pretty much exactly where he was last year with nine uh, touchdowns and 11 interceptions. He's at 200.3 passing yards per game. 75.5 quarterback rating is higher than last year. So that's something. It's not like good, but it's better than <laughs> last year. Uh, his sack percent is way down. He's been sacked so far 12 times in the year, which is uh, honestly still a pretty good chunk, but it is a reduction. So that's like the high level. Where is Zach Wilson right now? And it's kind of tough to know anything from it because it's like the same story we've been talking about with Jets quarterbacks for the past, I don't know, eight years, which is he's shown flashes. And I think of all the guys the Jets have had at the helm in the past eight years, Zach Wilson has been by far the best looking of them. But there are still so many boy, dude, fucking stop it kind of throws or decisions that he's made on the field where it's been tough to crown him like the guy. Granted, it's only year two of his oh. contract, unlike Daniel Jones, where we're a little bit farther along in his career. But uh, what have you thought about this? Speaking just to this portion of his um, stats page, Zach Wilson so far this year. It's crazy because you like I, I've tried to watch him because he does seem like a very fun quarterback prospect and he'll make a throw. That's just like, holy shit. That's that is what people saw when they were like, he could be a Patrick Mahomes light with his playmaking ability, movement around the field, blah, 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 blah. But there's just so much just punching you in the face of like, ah. What the fuck? All of his plays are seemingly what the fuck plays, positive or negative. It's I always something, him, uh, which is very exciting. I heard him quoted after the Patriots game, the first one. Well, I guess there's only been one so far. They play the Patriots this upcoming week. After what was just a horrible game. Oh, my God. It hurt my bones. Like, my bones, where I have marrow. The thing that keep my gelatinous form together. Um, and he was like, because he just had, he had, I think, two picks that game that were just dude throw the ball away plays, and he just didn't. He just tried to force something. And the quote was essentially paraphrasing, of course, but it was something to the effect of, I'm just so tired of throwing the ball away. I just want to try to make something happen. And it's like, I get that. But are you 16? <laughs> like, yes. Grow up and throw the ball. I know throwing the ball away is like very not fun. <laughs> I'm sure it's the most boring thing to do, especially because the Jets have a lot of dropbacks that aren't effective. And Zach Wilson ends up having to throw the ball away 
with some frequency. Uh, guess what? That's football. That's the game. And it's very the opposite of where Daniel Jones is, where he has you know learned very much so to mitigate, 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 and stay within a very certain framework of what is acceptable to play for him. Zach Wilson is, again, year two, he has played a career 19 games in the NFL, which is not a lot. So obviously you're willing to say there's still room to learn and to grow and to adapt, but this seems as though the, the decision-making, Bad. it's like he hasn't realized he's going up against NFL talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that I know I'm getting caught up in the media circus of having absolutely no patience whatsoever. I, I just, I don't see the turnaround because it's so many compounding mistakes, but that's so unfair. It's 19 games. Like he's been hurt continuously. He's had multiple, has he had multiple coaches? He's only no, ever had no, just, uh, yeah, just Bobby Salads. Um, I I am absolutely rooting for him, though. I want a good Zach Wilson helm, helming, helming at the helm at the helm uh, of the New York Jets. And I I do think I love the attitude of I just want to win the game and I'm going to force the ball. It's the decision making that's bad. The attitude, though, is great, which is something that I haven't really heard from a Jets quarterback in a while. You know, like you hear the you hear it in platitudes, but you don't hear it so much in like such a direct narrative way um, that really like is seen in the game. Like seeing him make this terrible decision, um, it's the wrong choice, but like you really do. It resonates with what he's saying of. I'm so desperate to win this game. And it's like, yes, I see that. However, you're desperate in the way that a single man is desperate at two o'clock in the morning, trying to get laid, not productive and actively harmful. <laughs> so. What and it's a real really reference. Of, right. What an anecdote. Oh, what a guy. Put me on ESPN's first take. I got lots of first takes. Um, it's it's been it's been kind of like a wacky year because you can see that the Jets are are trying to give him trust and trying to guide the ship. And I say that because in looking at his year over year stats, intended air yards per pass attempt is actually up this year from last year. Not by like a ton, but seven point six yards per pass attempt last year, seven point nine this year. So he's actually throwing the deep ball a little bit more frequently. His completed air yards per completion is down five point eight last year to five point six this year. Completed air yards per pass attempt also down 3.3 to 3.2. So not huge, but the success isn't there. However, the fact that they're allowing him or he's at least taking the reins and trying shows what the Jets are trying to do, which is appreciated. Appreciated, Like the fact that they're not trying to be the ground and pound team that they tried for, oh my God, nine years to be relatively unsuccessfully is good. I'd rather stress test our quarterback situation than try to alleviate it such to the point that you're never really certain what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, to that end, uh, yards after the catch per completion is up by a lot. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what it is. 
On target throw percent up over last year, 71.1%. 71% is not good. It's going in the right direction. Bad throw percent is down. Drops are down. So it really just is this kind of like amorphous, nebulous decision-making. Um, which, again, like there's time for the season to be shake, shaked out, shaken, shooken, shooketh out. Um, you know, the Jets have another, we played nine games, eight games to go in the season. Zach Wilson, unless he gets hurt, will be the starting quarterback of all of them. And, you know, eight more games to kind of try to figure out your ability and limitations in an offense that is actually moving pretty well uh, will give us a pretty good indication of what next year's to bring. Like if the jets finish this year, nine and eight and Zach Wilson looks like shit. I don't, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to position them an interesting way in the off season because it's basically become the giants conversation of Daniel Jones doesn't look like the guy, but also what the fuck do you do? It's almost like, well, I guess we can fix yeah. everything that's not named Daniel Jones and then see where we're at, which worked out pretty well for the Giants. Yeah. And then they brought in a I new mean, coach, and it's been going great. I think the problem is, I think, so much of the what's left to really make changes on for the Jets really just kind of revolves to the QB, revolves to the QB, falls back on the QB. I mean, so many other aspects of their team looks not only competent, but very good. Yeah. I think it's just hoping that he can make those steps mentally. And it's also tough because two years of play is difficult to make a judgment about moving on from a guy for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like... Because you could say that the, the Jets might also be a, a potential trade candidate for a Derek Carr. If the if the rest of the team really is like positioned well, and you think you have an active playoff window, and you just need a quarterback, Derek Carr might be your man. You know, however, that implicitly means you're giving up on Zach Wilson. And look, the Jets haven't had a real playoff window since Rex Ryan, and. So ownership might be on board for a dramatic move, right? But it, it, it's it's it is difficult to know because if Zach Wilson pans out, you might be giving up. I don't know. It was eight years of great mm-hmm. quarterback play for what might end up being two to three years of really really good quarterback play from Derek Carr, and then you figure it out from there. It, but regardless. I like what the Jets are trying to accomplish, even if the results for the quarterback aren't there yet. Mm -hmm. I think the Jets are cheap enough still where rolling with Zach Wilson, like their talent is so young. I think they can very much afford to keep rolling with Zach Wilson for another year or two and if it doesn't fly okay we can make a swing at quarterback devil's advocate we can afford Derek Carr when is a guy of Derek Carr's caliber going to be so available if we haven't seen anything over his first two seasons really at all 
hey, there's no time like the present to make a change. That, and that's what I'd really like to see from Derek, from Zach Wilson going forward is we know the talent is there, but we need to see, if the rest of the season was kind of boring from him, I would love it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, Daniel Jones, it dink and dunk down the field, take, get, get through your reads, get weird and wild in the fourth quarter. If you have to. But other than that, manage, just game manage. And I know that that's not exciting stuff, but part of maturing as an individual, as well as, you know, an athlete, is understanding that their most aspects of work are unexciting. Those help build up to more exciting things, better projects for your job, raises, promotions, whatever. And in Zach Wilson's case, maybe more exciting plays, more exciting play design, uh, more yardage, but a lot of that comes with taking kind of the boring route. And maybe that's not what the Jets are doing in play design, and or maybe it's just Zach Wilson not being able to proficiently go through his reads timely enough and create opportunities for contested balls. But whatever it is, I would love to see Zach Wilson have the most boring next few games to hopefully have more exciting games after that. Yeah, I'm with you. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the Commanders beat the Eagles. Yeah, that was it's fucking hilarious. Really fun. I was really upset I wasn't working at Merck when uh, on Monday or on Tuesday. Uh, that was bound to be just a very exciting atmosphere to be in. Is Taylor Heineke a temporary solution because he he's been the quarterback of, of that commander's team for what three full seasons now well Carson Wentz was brought in to replace Taylor Heineke no I yeah I know uh no he's not the solution he is think, a no. very he is a very above average band-aid yeah I know I know he is not the solution <laughs> uh actually this is only the second season he's really had any playing time because he played in only one game in 2020. I don't even remember that. Um, Green one is a starter this year, though. That ain't pretty bad. fucking funny. Five touchdowns, four interceptions, but he's getting the job done. His quarterback rating is much higher than Zach Wilson's. It's wild how much Carson Wentz has just fucking nosedived. It's also interesting to see the fragility of NFL power rankings based on a single loss. You're going to tell me that the Eagles were the number one team in the NFL at, at uh, eight and oh, but eight and one is where you draw the line and they're not the best. It's just, uh, it's so arbitrary. It's because the people that make power rankings 90% of the time just have the mental capacity of children. I think I'd rather my team. Oh, actually, I don't know. Would you rather your team have a really kooky, weird loss to a division rival that you could chalk up to the fact that mm, the NFL is weird uh, or a really grinded out loss against like a tough opponent? Like, Would you rather be able to write it off mentally definitely, or have to grapple with it? I think it would definitely be a tough loss to a really tough opponent. Because it's football, man. It comes down to individual plays. Like it's it's one percent, two percent of the plays that make or break a game. And 
the expectation of, hey, we're going to meet this team again on the playoffs. Okay, that was a coin flip. We can we can win this game. I think I'd rather the kooky weird loss. I think I think I'd be easier for me to write off mentally as like, eh, every team has a bad game, rather than have to acknowledge that a team genuinely bested you. I guess. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I'd rather lose to the Browns on some weird like, oh my God, what were they doing? Everyone looked like ass. The Browns got like ninety yards per play. Some crazy shit happened. Versus like, oh my God, we got like dissected by the fucking Eagles or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. found our weakness, which means that other teams can exploit it too, and we got genuinely outmaneuvered. Oh, and they're a good team, so we will see them later in the season. <laughs> yeah, that's just me. All right, well, hey, it's been an episode. Let's get out of here. Um, like I said, we'll be back on Monday talking about the conclusion of the MLB awards season. MVP awards come out the day you're listening to this on Thursday, so we'll be talking about it uh, on our next available episode. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at CorwinHallow. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, you all have a good one. Bye.